0: Welcome to the Milestone Church podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I wanna welcome you today to our new series entitled Subject to Change. I wanna welcome those watching online maybe someone watching in a video venue here at the Keller campus. I wanna welcome our Hazlitt campus who are there gathered in Hazlitt. Come on, put your hands together. Welcome everybody that's joining us this weekend. I'm excited about this new series. We're gonna go on a journey together. I do wanna celebrate something with you that I think is important that you know because of your generosity, a way that we're able to encourage people We find so many people moving to our area. You may or may not know this, but it may be an area you might want to even volunteer. Uh, We have a team of volunteers that prepare welcome boxes that are delivered to the door of people that move here and are looking for friends, looking for the grocery store, looking for things in their lives. And we deliver this to their house. And again, it's because of your generosity we're able to do this. It's a nice gift. Don't you hate getting... People give you something they don't want. You know, I, I hate that, right? I'm, I'm a gift giver. So I always want to give something that people go, wow. So it's, it's nice on your behalf. And we have doubled that this summer with the number of people transitioning here. And so we do about 100 a month. We've done double that. We think by the end of the summer, it's possible we're going to give away 600 of these in our community. And there's real people on the other end of this. Um, I met at 101 Aaron and Kathleen, young couple, graduated from Texas Tech, but, I mean, God, God has help for everybody, you know? I mean, he can minister to anybody. I mean, he doesn't, you know, in any way discriminate against people from Texas Tech. So they graduated from there and just transitioning into a new life together, a married couple, came to 101. I met them standing in line, shaking hands. Me and some of the team, we put them together In the line, as I was going through, I met several young couples and I said, you guys need to be friends with each other, go to 301. So we just formed a 301 group right there in the the commons with these new people. So they met friends and Aaron is going to get baptized here coming up, that's exciting. And he also is meeting in a discipleship relationship with another guy that he met because Aaron said, I wanna learn the Bible. And so they're meeting for breakfast and discussing the Bible together. So I thought you might be encouraged to know that that's what you're doing every single day. You're ministering to and reaching out to people like Aaron and Kathleen. We're going to talk about subject to change. I'm going to ask if you have your Bibles to turn with me to Exodus 2. I'm going to read a verse there in 23, Exodus 2, 23, and then Exodus 3. We're going to be camping out in this section of scripture for the next several weeks. My wife and I, at the start of the new year, began reading the Old Testament together. She's a little ahead of me because she's a little more uh, planned on it, but we're reading it together, discussing it. I spent some time in my study time rereading this section of scripture and it's so rich to speak to us today. In fact, the people in the stories, I'm so thankful that the Bible's not an edited version. It, we get the real people with their real problems, with the way they relate to God, and so it's so rich To help us realize that these people lived all this long time ago and yet they're in so many ways just like us. So we're going to talk about this idea of subject to change. You know, if you sign a contract on a new home or you have something that you get to this new place or maybe if you finally get this date that you wanted, the last thing you want in fine print is it's all subject to change because if it's what you want, you don't want it to change. In fact, you're discussing what percentage chance could this not happen? If it's something that you don't want, you wanna know the percentage chance that you might make it out of it alive. You get a bad health diagnosis, you're like, what percentage of people survive this? You wanna know that, you don't want the bad statistics. But one reality in life is that we're all navigating change. And one thing I've learned about myself is as much as I might portray myself as someone who would be like, hey, this will be exciting, it'd be great to change, there's elements of my life where I kind of want things like I want them and I like them to stay in that place. It's, It's amazing. Sometimes the things that change in our life are because we prayed for them. I meet young couples all the time. and they praying for a baby, praying for a baby. Then they're like, oh my gosh, this thing cries all the time and poops a lot. And you prayed for it. And let me help you with something. That's the easy phase. You can control them. In fact, if you have one, that's an accessory. You know what I'm saying? That's not even a problem. Then they grow up. And I have three girls in my house. And I've learned through the years that I... I'm pretty free flowing in a lot of ways, but it's like the, my bathroom area, I like it like I like it because I don't, I don't like to spend extra energy. I I have like five shirts, three pair of pants. I have my stuff there. And so I'm, I'm busy. So I don't want to think about stuff that I don't have to think about. And so I have, you know, my shaving cream for my head and my face. I don't need hair products. I have my deodorant, my toothbrush, and and these girls, they just invade your bathroom. You know what I'm saying? And I have one. I I thought I was conquering because one moved away. And, And here's something that some of you didn't tell me. They come back. This week she's doing fittings for her wedding dress and ne- and she brought the tribe back together and they're up in my bathroom and there's makeup on my toothbrush and there's stuff mo- missing and they're just up in there and I'm just like, hey, you, you came back. You're supposed to be in the guest bathroom. You don't even have a bathroom here. <laughs> every new phase of life and every new season brings changes in our lives and we're not usually as good at it as we think, but here's some good news before we go to Exodus. Some good news from the New Testament, from the half-brother of Jesus, who tells us that we can anchor ourselves to this truth. James 1:17 says this, every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good thing, I don't know if you believe in God or you have a, 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 an idea or understanding of who he is, but every good thing, you may be cursing God, but every good thing in your life comes from him. Every single good thing you experience, a good feeling, a good emotion, a good cup of coffee, a nice sunrise, it all comes from a good and generous God who gave it into your life. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. He's a good Father who helps us through the changes in our lives. He does not change like the shifting shadows. He does not change. So we can count on Him. We're gonna learn that in this series. I wanna get us started this weekend by thinking a little bit about this and I wanna spend a little more time just kind of getting us acquainted with ourselves. Because change in pressure and crisis, we've had plenty of changes and circumstances over the last several months to deal with it. It introduces us to ourselves. And sometimes what we think is, when we're going through challenging times, I'm the only one. No one understands. You may have had this thought recently. What would it be like to live in a time, or you may have even thought, I'm living in this time, Has anyone ever faced this? We're the only people, this is some new thing. What would it be like, I want us to ponder this together for a minute, to live in a time with social and moral and spiritual upheaval? What would it be like? What would it be like if we lived in a time where technology changed how we do our everyday lives? What would it be like if technological advancements changed how we saw the entire world? What would it be like if information could be passed to us in a new way to where we were more exposed to all the things around us? You're like, sounds like the time we live in. No, no, actually, I'm describing the 151600s. 1600s. The Reformation changed the spiritual and cultural world of that day. The watch changed how you do your everyday life. The telescope changed how we saw the world in which we live in it. And the newspaper in the 1600s exposed us to every other person around us in the world and gave a platform for multiple ideas to make us anxious and worried. So we're not the first group of people to face changes. There were plagues, there were viruses, there were all kinds of medical worries, there was the atomic bomb coming at some point, there was all these things in different cultures in different times who gave them a reason to have a lot of fear about the future. But yet in every season and in every time, God has been there as a constant. He's there available, but He many times is the least accessed. He's kind of put to the side while we try to solve it ourselves. Now I do wanna say to you pastorally and just to encourage you in this series and why you need this series is because one thing that is different about the time in which we live is the speed of change. The speed of change in the world we live today, we are the first generation to face change at the rapid level that we face it. And so I wanna take us back into this section of scripture for a moment and I want us to look at a journey of a group of people. I want us to look at what they did in this time, how they related to God, how God was up to something because by the way, If you're facing change in your life, know this, God is bigger than what is presently happening and he's always looking to do something in you before he does something through you. And so I want us to look at this section of scripture here in Exodus two, there's a catalytic moment. The people of God have found themselves in bondage and in slavery in Egypt. They're in that place. Some of you may say, okay, how did they get there? Quick history lesson, quick Bible lesson. By the way, in this series, we're gonna look at multiple Bible anchor moments, some of the biggest Bible stories in the Bible, and we're gonna let them speak to us in today's world. But they ended up in Egypt because of a guy named Joseph. By the way, that's a rich story. I don't have time to tell it to you, but it all ends with all these challenges he faces that what you meant for evil in my life, God was working for good. It's a real powerful and encouraging story. Joseph, as a result of famine among God's people, leads 70 of them into Egypt. There's 70 people at the start, and then they grow to about two and a half million people. And they are in slavery, and they are in bondage, and here's what God says. I want us to start right off, because our perspective of the God of the Old Testament, when we read these stories, and we look at how he relates, you're gonna see a different picture of God. Look what it says in verse 23, in fact. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. By the way, they grew. And the king of Egypt and the Pharaohs, eventually they they were nervous because of how many of them there were that they may take over. And so the Israelites groaned in their slavery. They cried out. They cried out for help because of their slavery and it went up to God. And God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites, look at this, and was concerned about them. A lot of times when you're in the middle of a pressure-filled situation, you think no one else is thinking about you, but God is concerned about you. God has his eye on you. God is there available to you. And then the next verse I want to read in Exodus 3 is... God now moving in the situation. How he moves in the situation is he goes to another big character of the Old Testament, Moses. So many movies. By the way, the story we're about to study for the next several weeks, there's more movies, more, more things about it in culture. It's, it's again, some very, very, if you will, famous section of scripture, but he goes to this guy, Moses. Moses, drawn out of the waters of the Nile River, Raised in the king's palace. I love the fact that it shows us he made some mistakes. He made a mistake. He killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand. Does what everyone does when they make mistakes many times. We see it in Peter's life. He runs away from the plan of God. Goes out and does a little uh, farming, if you will. Herding and cattle and sheep. And goes out and just becomes that for a little while. And God comes to him because, and I love this about God, at 80 years old because you're never too young and it's never too late to respond to God, ever. He comes to him at 80 years old around a burning bush and he calls him into the purpose of handling this situation that he's concerned about. It says this, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. That moment created a catalytic event that will take us across several chapters of the Bible, books of the Bible, that will lead us on this journey. And I want us to introduce ourselves to it a little bit here this weekend. First of all, the big picture, the 30,000-foot view, if you will, is God's going to take them from the bondage that's in Egypt to the freedom that's in the promised land. And the Old Testament is the types and shadows that are revealed in the New Testament. This story is ultimately about Jesus because if you don't know Jesus, we live on the backside of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who's present among us and he can take you from the bondage that you live in to the freedom that's found in the promised land. Jesus is available for that. But what's really interesting about this story is that again, change and pressure and challenge that they face in the middle of it, God's always up to something. More than just rescuing them, he takes them from 70 people to a nation. He gives them and us the 10 commandments. That's found there. The Passover happens. That's a rich part of Jesus's story as he was the Passover lamb and many of the central events happened there. The day of atonement, which shows that there has to be the sacrifice and the shedding of blood for us to be free from our sins and the tabernacle during this time where we see God's presence dwelling among his people. So there's some big stuff that's happening. You go, why are you telling me this? This sounds like just a bunch of Bible information. No, what I'm telling you is whatever you're facing right now, God always has a redemptive plan in the middle of it. We just can't see it. He's doing something significant in these moments. I want to also show you why it's important for us to relate to this going to give you this journey again this journey starts with them in bondage in egypt and god setting them free and they are moving toward this promised land of canaan it's about 250 miles it should have taken this is important we're going to learn some things here it should have taken 11 days but it took 40 years 40 years because they wandered around and had all these interactions with God and we're gonna see ourselves in the story. They wandered around 11 days, what it should have taken, 40 years is what it took. Here's a big picture of what we're gonna learn in this journey and that's this. We can face a changing world, even the speed at which we live with all the changes because we have a God who never changes. And here's the big thing. The big thing is not that he doesn't change, it's can we trust him? Will we trust him in the midst of what we face? He can be trusted. And here's another thing we're going to learn about ourselves as we look at these people, and I promise you, you're going to have emotions related to them if you really dig in the story, and I'm encouraging you to do it. We're not really as good at this as we think. We're not as good as we think. We think a lot of times, man, I want that change. I want that new house, and then I miss my old neighborhood. I want that new job, and I don't like what I have to do now. I liked what I did later. I can't wait till I retire. Man, every day is Saturday. We look ahead, and then when we get ahead, we're upset with what's ahead because we're not as good at it as we think We actually are in our heads. I talked to a guy recently. I find myself, and and, and this isn't just because I'm a pastor. I want to encourage you. If you have the word of God, you have hope that Jesus Christ is still sitting on the throne. You have huge opportunities in our culture to bring hope to desperate people right now. Huge opportunities. I find myself encouraging people and talking to different ones. And I talked to a business leader the other day. I find myself encouraging pastors even, by the way. And I was talking to this guy and, he, and, I, and I'm going to just kind of do group counseling with you because there's things in his family and there's things going on because the pressure that he's under and the way that's affecting the people that he loves and he's walking through this and he's realizing I'm not as good at this as I might portray. Sometimes I'm the one initiating change and then I don't even like what I initiated and then you're li- dealing with all the cultural things in, and, and, and this was, because by the way, you always have, when someone talks to you about what's going on in their life, you always have the presenting thing. <laughs> but there's always deeper things. This is just a little tip. Now, if you, you're an altar worker, you know, you stand down here, hear people come forward. Ah, I need help. Okay, tell me what's going on. I'm just not praying enough. Is there anything else? I'm a drug dealer. Okay, let's get that prayer issue covered. (laughs) Let's deal with that prayer thing right now. (laughs) They never tell you what's really going on. I'm talking about my work problems, but the real problem is my wife and I's relationship is really being affected by the pressure that I have at work. And the thing that I really root Got down to is that one of the reasons a lot of people have struggled in our current context is when change comes, we want to know the new rules. We want to know the new situation. We're working through it, but we don't give ourselves time to process in our soul. And we're like, okay, I'm going to block all that out. What's the new reality and how do I just move ahead? Every time change comes, there's loss. Every time change comes into our life, there's something you lose, even if you gain something good. And loss brings grief and grief is something we're not good at processing in our lives. It's move ahead, tell me the new circumstances. And I told this gentleman and I know cause I relate to it. One of the reasons a lot of people are struggling is, is like, we didn't think it would last this long. We didn't think we'd be still dealing with the things that we're dealing with. And you say, what do I do with that? Well, we need to learn how to process changes in our world with a God who's still stable and can be trusted. What happens when we go through significant change? This, this might be, here's my heart for you in this series. Here's my heart for us as we study them going from Egypt to the promised land, wandering for 40 years. Here's my heart for you. Number one, we're gonna learn some things about God. He, he gets a little bad, he... he He kind of gets a bad rap on his resume by a lot of people who don't really know what the Old Testament says. It's like he's this, and and by the way, it's natural for us to feel, you're going to feel this when you read this story. I remember reading it in the fifth grade. I remember, we we had Sunday school and we went through this set of texts and this story, And I remember when you hear, we're going to hit a lot of these anchor stories. I mean, God sets them free, and then they're complaining about what he gives them. He's providing food, and they don't like it. I come from a house where you eat what is cooked. We don't like it. Then these up there talking to God, and they're down there making an idol. Moses up there, I mean, face to face, you know, like intimate. He's real. He's powerful. He's got authority. comes down there making an idol. One person says, well, I don't know, it just just came out. (laughs) And you're gonna feel this, because I know in fifth grade, I was like, if I were God, I would fry these people. (laughs) Only to realize we're a lot like them. God blesses us, God helps us, and then we forget what he did, and we push him out while we're in our new season of blessing, and we forget how important he is in our lives but we're gonna learn that God can be trusted because he's patient, he's concerned about us, he has his eyes toward us, he wants the best, he continues to show his goodness. And by the way, when you're in significant, painful change, the enemy's number one strategy, I want everybody to hear this, is to get you to think God is not good at all times. That's his number one strategy but he is, and again, I'm not God, but as a father, I relate to these things because I want the best, and one of the ways I've related to it is being my kid's driver's ed coach, which is not good. And you're trying to tell them, look, I want you to have your freedom, and I want you to have your friends, and I want you to do, but look, this is dangerous. We need to talk about it, and you need to listen. There's a few rules here, okay? And my most recent child, we're driving, and it's like, her, it's interesting, they all have different personalities, and her deal was, like, like, she wanted to go fast all the time. Like, it's like, I'll be like, look, look, slow down. Slow down. She's like, well, Dad, look, this is a speed limit, and you only get a ticket if you go this many over, and it's like, well, look, we're not trying to push the envelope to the edge of everything, and just like these people, she had to learn, she had to knock a mirror off, hit a trash can in, the dry, in one of the, the neighborhoods, hit a trash can, mirror knocked off, which is what I love about her heart. This is the difference in my two kids, her older sister. She brought the mirror to me in, in, in sackcloth and ashes and repentance. Daddy, I knocked my mirror off. Her older sister just came home when she knocked her mirror off, had duct tape on it, like I couldn't see it. I'm like, you really think I'm that dumb? come on. The the, the recent one, she got a ticket. Then she had to go do teen court. And I guess she she was under so much judgment, they sent her a letter this week and said, will you serve on the teen court? So (laughs) I don't know. I mean, maybe she's just that good at God's judgment on her or whatever. But anyway, we've all felt this and we're going to learn that God has our best He has best intentions toward us. He's a good God. He's trying to bring us to his plan. The second thing is we're going to learn a lot about ourselves, too, while we look at these people. We're going to learn that, again, we're not as good at change as we might think. There's this graph that's used widely in our culture. Consultants use it. It came from 1962, the law of diffusion of innovation. And you begin to look at it and go, where do I put myself on this? The highly innovative person, two and a half percent of the population. Um, I know people that are friends of mine who put themselves in that category. I'm an innovator, I'm forward, I don't care, I'm moving forward. Sometimes they're the worst relationally with change. Because though they may be innovative at work, they're terrible in their relationship sometimes because they have a low understanding of where everyone else is in relationship to change. So I was like, I'm innovative, but your wife's saying you're a jerk. (laughs) And so we have challenges no matter where we are in the category, but I only show it to you for this one reason. Let's not ever forget this, no matter where you fall, no matter, and we, by the way, we fall in different places related to different subjects. You with me? I find myself, I like to be a forward person, but I'm a laggard when it comes to technology. I inherited it from my dad. My dad was old school, you know, technology. He's still using a VCR, you know, got a stereo that plays eight tracks. In a leadership meeting the other day, I said, if you'd missed this mes- message, you can get the tape. <laughs> a young person came up to me and said, tape, my phone has every song in the universe. Do tell, could you transfer it to mine for me? You know, it's amazing. My dad, by the way, got a cell phone. He got a cell phone. This was about five years ago. I know it sounds bad, he's from East Texas. He got a cell phone. My sister's got it for him. Your, your daughters can make you do stuff you would never do. Cause dad, you're out and you're getting older and we need to be in touch with you. So my dad sent me a text. Willie Little, what? Do you have a phone? He texts back, yes, and it has photos. I text him back, this is the end times. (laughs) He sent me an emoji with a cry face, I've saved this. We're all really though, in general, we value safety, security, and even when God's doing something in our lives, we fight against change. We fight against the fear of loss. We fight against the feeling of feeling insecure. And so the bigger issue is not just learning about ourselves or putting ourselves in some category. The bigger issue is as we look at this, what is God trying to say to them in this journey? Because that's the question I would like you to ask if you're not navigating change well, to stop and say not all of these external things, but what is God trying to show me and what's God trying to do in me and show me about his character. The other thing is we're gonna learn a lot about each other because again, the challenge with navigating things that are in our lives, unexpected or desired, is we have to interact with one another and one of the greatest things as a pastor that we've dealt with in recent months is not just the things on the outside, but as you've seen in our prayer times, I mean, Job security for pastors is at an all-time high, because hundreds and hundreds. My marriage. I mean, I talk with our pastors. It's 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 routine. We're we're separating. Third, one I just heard about thirty-six years yesterday. Thirty-six years we're separating. I'm thinking, man, y'all y'all've already kind of like you don't want to try again at that point, you know. Let's just figure it out. Thirty-six years. You know what I'm saying? my wife has me trained at this point. She couldn't even handle another situation. You with me? Like, let's figure this out. But it's at an all time high, not, we have to see this in this journey, not because of the external, but because of the internal. And so how we relate to one another, we're being more sensitive to the people around you. We're going to learn some things about others. We're going to learn some things in this story. And here's the message that I want you to get as we start into this and next week we're gonna talk about the Red Sea, a big story and what does that mean and all of, all of the implications of that. We're gonna start down this path of major anchor moments throughout this story. But I want us to look here at 1 Corinthians ten six because this is a section of Scripture highlighted as well by the Apostle Paul. This is after Jesus, the birth of the church. The Apostle Paul says, these things occurred. He might be saying to us, you need to study this over the next few weeks. This subject to change series, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. He shows us their journey and their responses that we may get mad at and look at. He shows it to us so that we ourselves will not respond like we see them respond, turning away from God. Again, we're gonna look at these major moments all the way to, to the possession of the promised land. I wanna inspire you for a minute because I, I sort of knew this statistic, but this just, just, just rocked me, okay? Remember they started as 70 people in Egypt and then they became two and a half million? Two and a half million people, two and a half million, two went into the promised land. Two. Two and a half million and two went in. Now to be fair, we again, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have the guide of the word of God. We have the opportunity to understand God at a different place. I realize that. But as it pertains to just basic human nature. We need to study this. (laughs) We need to understand this because my heart for you as a pastor, especially in the turbulent times we live in, is that you're trusting God, that you're letting him show you what he wants to show you. And most of all, my main passion always has been that you would possess the things God has prepared for you and planned for you. And what can stop you is not that which is on the outside. It's that which happens in your heart. It's the enemy's desire to get to your heart, to harden your heart to put bitterness in your heart, to to get you to, in your heart, believe God is not good and not for me, to get you to not see that he's at work and he's bigger and he can be trusted and he's ahead of us. And I want you to have your heart in a place where you can possess every single thing that God has for you. Now, I'm excited about this series. I'll just tell you that. I'm gonna tell you why. These are meaningful passages to me. They're meaningful passages to me because at a moment of great transition in my own life, in my early 20s, I left the denomination that I was a part of. The past president was my mentor. I went to the flagship school. I was well on my way as a senior pastor and headed toward a great career path. And due to just some things that that God was doing in me, I had to take a different path and it, it resulted in significant change in my life. I had some core things that I didn't believe, that they believed. By the way, that's a little sidebar. I didn't stay, these, these were just things that I within the integrity of my own heart said, I don't think I can continue to build this way. And this is just a little sidebar. I didn't stay in the environment mad at them when they said, we've believed this for hundreds of years and we're not changing and cause problems and speak against and talk about and stir up trouble. If, if I didn't agree with how they built the right thing from integrity to do is, well, step out and build what you see in your heart. Don't sit around and criticize what you're a part of while you're gleaning from it. That's a free message by the way. Integrity says, so that put me on a path of, I don't know, lots of change. Had to move my new wife in with my in-laws, live with them for several months. My my mother-in-law goes to church here, so it wasn't bad living with them. I need to qualify that. She was watching one of the messages online and I actually off the cuff said, she's not only nice to live with and everything, I need to qualify that because I would never want to say something from the platform that would dishonor my mother-in-law because she goes to church where I preach. I've been her pastor since I was like 20 something years old. So, you know, but it does make it difficult when I teach on marriage and have to talk about sex and my mother-in-law's in in the audience. (laughs) That's challenging. But anyway, she called me after the service and said, Ha, 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 it's all good. Anyway. Anyway, I was like, that was awkward. Don't call me. Just, just, let's just leave it out there like we never saw it. Let's just not talk about it. Let's not accentuate it. Don't call me and go, ha, oh, that was so funny. I'm like, I'm feeling weird right now. Okay. But they're great people, but it was a challenging time. My wife cried every night. Man, I'm telling you, it was tough. And this set of passages in my study Bible is marked because God spoke to me, 2.5 million in two. I said, Lord, I want to be part of the two. I don't know what it's going to require. I don't know what it'll take. I want to keep my heart right because what I see from these people, and you're going to learn this in this journey, what will disqualify you again is your heart. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not... I want to keep my heart right. I want to go into everything you have for me. And I believe as a young 20-something-year-old guy who had no job, who had no plans for the future, who was just working it out, I personally believe in that little bedroom in my in-laws house, God saw that prayer. You say, Pastor Jeff, well, that's you. Well, look, even if you look at my timeline, always remember this. Just because you see all the things God's doing and well, you're pastoring now, milestone, all this stuff. No, 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 I'm in this with you. Lots of changes from that prayer. Lots of faith steps, lots of personal changes. Lost my father, have a daughter who had medical things, have had had to navigate even my own life the changes in our church. I know you look at the changes. Look, those are hard for me too because my roles change and my responsibilities change. I'm only trying to say this to you to say, we all need this. There's nobody that gets to a place of maturity. We go, I have this conquered. I'm really good when everything's all changing around me. We all need it. Here's the good news. God can be trusted and he can help us with it. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. And Lord, we ask you right now to go with us as we see your nature, your character in these stories from your word. If there's one person listening to me, maybe in Hazlitt or maybe online or maybe right here in this service, if there's one person listening that hasn't submitted their heart to you, really these stories are about you, Jesus, and you can right where you are just say, Jesus, I submit it all to you. Maybe change has brought you to a place of revelation that you don't make for a good captain of your own ship. You don't make for a good God for yourself. And maybe you just need to say, Jesus, I say yes to you. I surrender myself to you. I give myself to you. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know so we can help you learn how to grow in that relationship. But second of all, Lord, I'm asking you to go beyond my words And I'm asking you even in the private quiet times of people or while they're driving to work or as they see your word or as we gather and worship together and these messages go forth, Lord, I'm asking for supernatural work by your spirit to work in the hearts of your people. That the frustration, the anger, the tense things, the marriages, the families, the things because of significant change, Lord, you would minister to our hearts in Jesus' name.